I mean, welcome to another episode of the Sober Squad Podcast, stories of courage, strength, and hope. The Sober Squad Podcast today is brought to you by our sponsor, the Periphery Foundation. The Periphery Foundation does humanitarian stories whose proceeds go back to the people and the issues featured in them. Miigwech for the Periphery Foundation for your sponsorship here today. Welcome to the Sober Squad Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) On the show, we have Randell. Ani Niji. Boozoo, Brad. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Um, let me start by introducing myself. Boozoo, um, Anishinaabe, Wasi Kamagabo, and Disnikaz, Masai Gai Gunning, and Dujaba, Wasisi Dudame. I am uh, from the Malax Band of Ojibwe. I'm from the Bullhead Clan, and I currently reside here in Malax, Malax, um, Minnesota. Um, just a quick uh, bit about myself. Uh, what I do today is um, I live uh, currently live on the Mille Lacs Reservation, and uh, I am a member of Sober Squad. I have been a member of Sober Squad since three twenty one eighteen. That's four days um, after uh, my clean date. My clean date is uh, March seventeenth, uh, two thousand eighteen. Um, a bit about myself is um, I. I uh, dedicate myself to bettering my community. Um, I currently work as a cashier at our Grand Market here in uh, in Malax, and uh, what I really enjoy most about uh, my employment at the market is the people that come through the uh, the market. You know, uh, I got uh, you know great customers all day, and I also got ones that are still in addiction. And uh, you know, I I treat them all equally. I do my best to uh, you know share. Uh, inspiration, uh, my experience, and offer hope to show that uh, recovery is possible uh, anywhere. Um, you know, I, I'm very uh, fortunate to be able to to, to come to you today. Um, you know, from my background, um, and uh, I gotta give a huge shout out to uh, all the members of Silver Squad um, in the beginning. Uh, without them, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. You know, I was at the end of my line when I decided to give uh, recovery a, uh, a shot. And, um, you know, one thing I, I noticed today is, you know, the, um, I hear a lot of uh, recovering addicts talk about, uh, you know, I was in hell, I was in hell. But for me, as an Anishinaabe, there is no hell. When a sp- uh, spirit is, uh, doesn't cross over, you know, uh, they wander. You know, they just wander around lost, not knowing. And that's what I was. I, I just see myself as a lost spirit until somebody came, uh, came help me, um, guide me back uh, to the way of, uh, of uh, life. And, um, you know, that, that's how I see, I see myself. You know, that's kind of uh, has to do with my, my uh, Anishinaabe name, uh, Wasi Kamagabo. Um, has something to do with the light, like I, I tread lightly or I'm the light on the path. You know, it has, has many meetings. And I'll tell you what, in the uh, when I first got that name, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it meant. Uh, my aunt told me I was here to help people. But at that time, I was still an active alcoholic, an active addict. Um, one thing I noticed today is um, a man has to uh, has to be reborn again in order to find out who it really is. And that's what I see in recovery is a lot of men who uh, 
and women who um, you know are born again and they just they're great people great great people and um, you know so that's that's the kind of light I like to shine you know I, I consider myself the light you know I, 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 I can show that there is life after death literally you know um, I know a lot of us were uh, you know our, our spirits were down you know and I'll get into that a little bit more, but, um, you know, just being in recovery and be able to come here and do this with you, I am extremely grateful for. Um, you know, that's a, a brief description of who I am. Um, I will uh, start off, you know, with uh, where I grew up, you know, how my parents were, and um, it has to do a lot of how I learned how to be an alcoholic, addict, violent um, person who, who I'm not today. Um you know, so my parents uh, were part of the relocation program. I had the privilege of growing up in sunny San Francisco. And, uh, you know, we moved around the Bay Area quite a bit, around Pacifica, Daly City, San Bruno, Oakland, San Francisco. And, um, you know, just uh, everywhere I went, you know, I always thought that I met the cool kids. You know, I always got the cool crowd. And, uh, you know, I, um, I have a lot of great memories with them. Um, one thing that I uh, realized, too, the last time I went out to go visit a few of them, uh, they were talking about the good old days. And, you know, being in recovery today, man, I was just kind of like, oh, those aren't, those aren't really good times, you know. <laughs> they were, they were, they were kind of bad. Um, so, you know, I went to school, uh, Pacific Manor, Terra Nova. You know, I was, I was getting um, kicked out of schools that I had to I had to attend a lot of different schools because I was always fighting I would go to school drunk uh, high and uh, you know a lot of schools and probation were just bouncing me around all over because nobody could handle me I even got kicked out of the state of California one time and I had to move here to Minnesota to uh, to come uh, complete probation they said well leave the leave the state for one year and you come back you're off probation I said okay bye and I got to move here to Minnesota and uh, be the little young, uh, wild, wild little Indian here for a year. And man, did I uh, learn a lot. And I, I brought that back to, uh, to California. As soon as I got that probation paper that I can go home, man, I was gone. Um, I grew up in a home that consisted with uh, domestic violence, alcoholism, and drugs. Um, I learned how to drink. Uh, very very young age you know when I was at the age of 13 I was proud of myself I could slam a pint of vodka in one drink chase it with a little splash of orange juice and to me that was like an accomplishment that was like woo you know look how good I am um, and uh, you know I the the witnessing of domestic violence um, to me that uh, today it kind of made it okay that it was okay to be mean to women um, I learned that um, from my father and uh, you know it was real tough because he also taught me that uh, anger was the key to everything um, he used to punish me you know with a closed fist and uh, I think the, what got me to uh, think that violence was okay that it was okay to hit people is when I was 15 and um, he was uh, beating me assaulting me when I turned around and I fought back and I threw a you know a combo on him after that, he never touched me again. You know, so to me, it was like, you know, these are the answers to everything. You know, anger is the answer to everything. And that's how I really masked my emotions when I was younger, man. I was in and out of juvie hall, assault here, assault here, burglary here, car theft here, stealing. 
um, and it just it turned into a never-ending cycle. You know, from the time I was 13 to 18, I'd done four years in juvie homes and in boys' ranches, and uh, man, was I in shape. <laughs> I was in shape, man. I could do push-ups. I could run miles. And uh, I always got out, and it was just a matter of a week before I was locked right back up again. Um, so, you know, I, I know a lot of us, um, you know, hearing other people's stories today, we can uh, we can learn from that experience today, you know, because uh, that, that traveled right through my adult years. You know, I, I always knew I had a problem. And judges and, and probation officers and other adults – would always tell me that Randy, I think you're uh, developing police officers. Let me don't don't forget Officer Colson, man. She was my number one fan when I was younger. Um, always uh, addressed that I had a drinking problem uh, ever since I was younger. And uh, yeah, it's those uh, those behaviors, and uh, you know, wound me up in prison three times. Um, you know, in and out of county jails. You know, I calculated how much time I've done, and it's been about 15 years. Um, in in uh, and institutions, um, you know, so, you know, the California, you know, lifestyle was, um, it was a, it was a real rough ride, you know, um, I wound up, uh, I used to come out here and visit a lot, my uh, father was an airline mechanic for the United Airlines for 28 years, 29 years, and um, I used to get these little tickets, they're called write your own, and you just write in wherever you want to go, you go jump on standby, you can take off anywhere. So I used to um, I used to run away from home. I used to get my hand on some of those tickets, and I would fly out to Minnesota. I would fly out to San Diego. I would fly anywhere. Just I don't know what I was looking for, but I would just disappear. And um, you know, my my dad had to catch me a couple of times. He caught me a couple of times in Chicago. You know, I got stuck there because there's no no seats available. You know, and he'd bring me home. What do you think you're doing? You know, and. Um, it's just, uh, you know, that, that was my, that was my lifestyle as a child. You know, I, I don't know if I was, uh, reaching out for, or, you know, attention or, you know, the attention I did get, I didn't want, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just, man, my lifestyle was, uh, is crazy. You know, it's, uh, it was a little, uh, little chaotic, but I'm sure a lot of ours are. And, um, you know, so, you know, I, I moved back to uh, Minnesota when I was roughly 21. Um, I had a son, and when I seen him born, um, I didn't leave. I stuck around. Um, and I got in a relationship with his mom. And, uh, you know, um, I was a horrible, horrible man at the time. You know, I was, uh, you know, an abuser, you know, mentally, physically, you know. And, uh, man, that was... Uh, that was a rough relationship, you know, and um, I'm truly uh, sorry for the, the pain and the havoc that I put on uh, my, my son's mom throughout the years. Um, and, you know, I, I, I told her about it, and, uh, you know, she, we're still friends. We, we still talk uh, well with each other today. You know, we can put that aside and teach our children that we can be better people. Um, you know, so, you know, making that amend process is uh, – you know, it's taken me forever. It's going to take forever. You know, I got 35 years and just being in uh, recovery since 3-17-2018, uh, um, that's just like 40 months. And to make up for all that havoc and everything that I've done for the past uh, 35 years, um, it's impossible. You know, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to make the amends, trying to make... Uh, 
you know, uh, the world a better place, um, especially my world, you know, it's, um, it starts, you know, it starts here, you know, taking personal accountability, being responsible, being a, a productive member of society, man, it just brings a new joy. And, you know, I found that in, uh, watching other people in sober squad, uh, when they showed up, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, a I mentioned earlier, I'm a cashier. I'm a father of three. I have a 26 year old, a 20 year old, and then this, uh, young six year old, um, who just turned six, you know, we just had his birthday last weekend. Um, you know, so today, you know, I, I do my best to be a better father, uncle, cousin, a uh, better positive role model, role model in the community. Um, but man, does it take a lot of hard work and it took a lot of, um, uh, you know, using that experience that I had from before and just not doing it anymore, switching it around to the positive, you know, I, it's like, uh, what you can learn on the streets, what you can't learn in school, you know, some of the stuff we've seen, you know, some of the, you know, like Brad here, I partied with him a lot too, man. I, 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 I was watching a commercial the other day on Limon. And it brought up it brought up a memory with me and uh, me and my buddy Brad here, and you know I just can look back at them days. I remember I was like almost in a in a blackout drunk, and I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna jump on my snowmobile and go get another one." And I made it back alive. You know, I could be grateful for that stuff today. And uh, you know, so I got children. Um, you know, my oldest son is in the struggle. You know, and I'm doing my best to. Um, to have him forgive me, but it doesn't work that way. I have to forgive myself um, for showing him that way of life, you know, um, drug dealing and drinking and using, womanizing, um, and just expecting him just to uh, say, it's okay, Dad, I forgive you. Uh, it doesn't work, you know. I, I know he's hurting, and uh, I, I got to forgive myself first before I can ask for his forgiveness. But I do my best just to be there to love him, show him that, uh, you know, that I was wrong. And to be able to admit that today is uh, what I call humility, you know, and uh, um, to humble myself and just uh, accept life and other people's choices as, as they are is uh, just making life a lot easier. So I don't have to turn to getting uh, drunk or high or angry or, you know, the ways of masking them emotions and just addressing them today is uh, is really spot on, you know, let me put it that way. It uh, makes life a lot easier, you know, just how people look at you. I don't have to, if somebody's smiling at me, I don't have to sit there and wonder, what are you smiling about? They're happy. I know why they're happy today, because they're just accepting life. They're living life. Yeah, so you're talking about um, uh, coming to addiction and then going through addiction then you started mentioning some of the stuff that you do to give back now, but let's um, get into where was that turning point? You know, where everybody talks about whether it's their rock bottom or or whatever the case it may be for anybody else. But where was that point in time? What events were leading up to it? What events were a part of it? And then the parts that came shortly after it right as a shift from active addiction to your recovery what at what point did you make your decision oh i i've had a lot of uh a lot of uh things that brought up uh my point that enough is enough um i uh i got off uh probation uh when i was about 41 years old and uh you know with that 
probation always on your back. You're always uh, cautious of UAs and everything. So I was real careful. And when that uh, probation got off my back, uh, I just went wild in addiction. Um, and, uh, you know, I was I was always active uh, drinking. You know, what they used to call a functioning alcoholic. You know, I could hold a job. I could make the work. I, my work performance is crap. I know it. And uh, But I, I was always, you know, trying to be... And a uh, productive alcoholic, which which I see today doesn't work because it's just a matter of time till you crash. Um, what brought me to what is enough is enough is um, I'm a diabetic. I was uh, diagnosed with diabetes when I was 32 years old. I was out in uh, California doing volunteer work for Habitat for Humanity, and I was working on the roof on a three-story house, and there's just like two stories I were put in. And I remember that day clearly. I was I was up and I was uh, nailing something up on the roof, and my footing gave away. And I reached up, and I was hanging on, you know, for dear life. And uh, you know, the drop the drop would have broke some bones. You know, I I don't know, it might have even killed me. But I remember hanging there until another guy's got the ladder, and I got down. And that next day, you know, I went out and drank that night. That next day, man, I got a gut turning pain that I've never felt before. Um, you know, if anybody's familiar with pancreatitis, it's one of the most, uh, painful things that you can experience, you know, physically. I went to the hospital and my doctor asked me, he said, um, have you been taking care of your diabetes? And I was like, well, I'm not diabetic. You know, I, I didn't know I'm diabetic, but you know, I got home, I got tested and I was about 32 years old. And, uh, yeah, I was diabetic and I've been insulin, de- insulin dependent ever since. Um, so as, as you know, uh, you know, I was a beer drinker, you know, I was a very heavy guy. I averaged about 270 pounds, you know, for about 20 years. And, um, uh, you know, I remember when I got off, uh, when I got, when I, when I kind of cut down on drinking, you know, I had to fill one void with another. And unfortunately that void that I filled it with at that time was methamphetamines, you know, and. You know, so when I started doing methamphetamine, I started losing weight. And uh, I'll tell you what, my clouded, alcoholic-acting mind, you know, is uh, I'm getting skinny. I'm not diabetic no more. So I quit taking my medication. You know, I quit taking my meds. And as I was doing that, my body's striving for energy. I wasn't eating, so I couldn't take, you know, food that I was eating or anything like that. What I started to rely on was uh, smoothies. You know, I used to open up a can of Kamad peaches and mix it with sugar. And, you know, that's what I was living on for about three years. I dropped from uh, from the, the healthy 270 um, to 105 pounds in a matter of uh, three years. And through that time, you know, I grew so weak. You know, I was in a wheelchair for about a year. You know, I, I would sleep for days. You know, I couldn't do nothing anymore unless I had methamphetamine. That's where I was finding my juice to to get up, to go to the bathroom, to get up and do anything, is I had to have uh, methamphetamines. And, you know, I started the process. You know, I would just snort it. Then I turned to smoking it. And pretty soon, by the uh, end of my addiction, I was uh, IV using it. And... um you know, I still see nothing wrong with me. You know, everybody was like, man, I don't even recognize you, man. To me, I was still looking good. You know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and a lot of people, um, you know, they, they were worried about me. But, you know, I was just so hard-headed, and nobody could tell me nothing until I could admit it to myself. So as, uh, as you know, what junkies do, 
you know, uh, if I didn't have meth, I would uh, turn to heroin, you know, marijuana, anything, anything to take the edge off. And, you know, there was a, uh, my, my community went in chaos uh, for a while. Was that about 2017, 2018? Yeah, for, for a couple of years, it got really bad there when, when the drugs rolled in. And I, I was watching, and I seen a lot of family and friends uh, passing away. And a lot of them didn't have it half as bad as I did with the physical state, you know. And I was uh, very upset that uh, I, I couldn't die. You know, I was, I was trying. I was shooting up left and right. My arms are just lumpier than hell from the misses. And, um, and you know, I was, I was very mad at everybody around me. I pushed everybody away from me. I pushed my creator away from me. And uh, it was all just about me. You know, it was the whole world was, was angry at me. But I didn't realize till today I was angry at the world. And, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, with the overdoses, you know, I, I remember clearly the first time I tried fentanyl, it, uh, it, I OD'd right away the first time I tried it, but that wasn't enough to make me stop. I've OD'd three times all by myself and all three times came back without Narcan. And I was, I was mad, you know, I was, I was mad that I kept waking up in the morning, you know, I was mad every day it was uh march 17th 2018 when i woke up that morning and uh you know as a lot of us say in our our dark days you know f my life you know why why am i here and um i think it was that morning when i when i woke up and i was saying that to myself and i i finally you know kind of clicked to me like uh am i really trying to live my life and um so that day i made uh i told myself you're going to quit. You're going to quit doing drugs. And uh, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to quit doing drugs. You know, I didn't have no clue what recovery was. I had no clue. I've been to a few AA meetings through my life, you know, just, you know, that I was forced to go to. And, uh, you know, I I stayed home that day and I started detoxing. I made it till, uh, you know, three days uh, when the legs started quitting, you know, and I, I stopped pooping all over myself and um I knew I wasn't going to make it alone I knew I needed help I started uh reaching out I started making uh the phone calls because I had I had to get away for a while just to get my mind right and I started making phone calls for the rule 25 and um but uh this is what now this is what brought me to sober squad this is what brought me to recovery is um I was watching a cousin of mine and she, you know, we use social media quite a bit to share inspiration and hope. And I was watching her saying, I got 30 days clean. I got 45 days clean and I got 60. Then I think she was about 90 days at that time. And, you know, I thought to myself, what the hell? You know, she's, she's family. I can, I can shoot her a message. And I shot, uh, I shot her a message. And all I said was, how do you do it? And she wrote me back two words, sober squad. I shook my head. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not calling those guys. Nope, nope. I've seen them guys around my hood, around around my neighborhood, you know, when they're when they're out, uh, you know, doing smudge walks and stuff. And um, so I didn't uh, I didn't uh, reply. You know, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's all right. But um, like 15 minutes later, 
my phone ring, and it was uh, from a guy I don't think I ever talked to before. I didn't even know who he was, and his name is uh, Colin Cash. He's the founder of Malak Sober Squad, and uh, his uh, question was, what's your address? And I was like, oh, yeah, so I gave him my address. And believe it or not, man, 15 minutes later, this dude sitting out in my car in a little red Grand Prix thing, you know, a little red car, and he was like, uh, you want to hang out for a while? And I was like, sure. You know, and that was uh, 320, uh, 2018 is uh, when they took me out to my first meeting. Uh, man, I was still shaking. I could hardly walk. I was at, uh, I think that was my rock bottom. You know, that was my rock. I didn't have a dollar in my pocket. My hustle was done. You know, I used to sell drugs. I would make three or four sales a day just so I could go gamble all night and buy enough drugs so I wouldn't get sick. That was all done. I had a huge void in my life, um, you know, because that's, that's all I did my whole life was try to hustle and, you know, make a couple of dollars just uh, to keep my wheels turning. And that was all done. That was all done. I didn't know what to do. And... These guys like Gary, Colin, Dan was uh, was just getting around in too, and uh, there there's a lot of them I'm very grateful for. Um, there's so many people I gotta I gotta st- um, send gratitude to because um, when I when I got to treatment um, when I got to treatment in Brainerd, Minnesota, they were gonna release me because my medical condition was so horrible. They couldn't provide the transportation for me to get back and forth to my doctor. Um, one of the uh, spiritual advisors at the time um, stepped up and said, "I'll drive them." And uh, you know, I was able I was able to stay in treatment. Um, you know, it's just little things like that that I can that I see today. You know, without them, you know, I I might not be sitting here. Everything works out for a reason. Um, so I, I started going to meetings with these guys. You know, we would go to Wellbriety. We would go to, uh, you know, NA. We would go to AA. And um, I remember we went to, uh, we used to go to Ironton Pizza Hut uh, every Friday. And I went to my first ever AA me- meeting willingly, you know, um, without being forced, without having to get a card to sign. And this this was uh, like my... Um, I want to say my turning point um, when I walked in that meeting and we're, there's about 20 people in there and it got to me and we're, we were only doing the introductions. We haven't even done nothing yet. And all I said was, I'm Randell. I'm an alcoholic. And man, I, my tears just started flowing. You know, I think that's when I realized, that's when I, I realized I needed help. And um, it wasn't friends, family, um, that I used to party with all the time, it was a group of strangers. It was just a group of other people in recovery wanting to help people out. And it was something I've never experienced before. It was something that, uh, you know, I didn't understand, you know. And uh, they just they just kept coming back. They kept coming back to pick me up, pick me up. And I see today all they wanted me to do is stay sober because it took me almost two months to get into treatment. And I'll tell you what, by the time I got to treatment, I thought I had a better support system outside, outside uh, the treatment. But I had to, I had to get it done. I had to get out of there and get out of the way for a while, and uh, just um, you know, just to get away from my neighborhood. You know, until uh, you know they believed in me until I believed in myself. 
And when I got out, when I got out of treatment, so I, I always credit them. They kept me sober until I got in treatment. They also kept me sober when I left when I left because I did leave treatment. Don't let my mistake justify yours. I left treatment like a half a week, a week early. Um, something came up and I made a bad decision. I went home and I remember I sat down on my couch and I was just looking around in my house and I was like, man, I am right back where I started from. And I put my head down. You know, I was really, really sad that I had a plan. You know, I was going to go here and get better and not too far away, but I was going to get better. But I reached out the second I got home. I said, I'm home. Da, da, da. And uh, I knew they I knew they knew I left treatment early. Um, but they didn't judge me for it. You know, I was like, I need to go to a meeting. And they picked me up that that night. That night I, uh, I got home, brought me to a meeting. And I've just been coming back ever since. Um, I still didn't know what recovery, um, what recovery brought, you know, um, until this, uh, this one instant instance, uh, this one, uh, one day I was supposed to pick up my youngest son and, uh, I was going to go to a drum ceremony in Lake Lena and spend the, the weekend with him. And I remember I got the aisle to pick him up. And when I was, uh, when I got there and something came up and I couldn't take him, I was on my way home. I was on my way home, and uh, I was upset. You know, I, I still didn't know how to handle my emotions at the time. And I remember the semi-truck crossed the center line at me. You know, he probably did it on accident. But me being invincible, I swerved back at him. Man, I almost hit him. You know, I probably would have died that day. But, you know, I jerked back and got, you know, got home. And I remember I, I stayed at home all day that day just dwelling on it. Like, rah, 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 rah. And I walked by the mirror, and I looked myself in the mirror, and I gave myself the finger and I've never done that before you know and you know I think I even mouthed the words you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know and I just happened to look over at the clock and it was like 5 30 p.m it was on a Saturday and I remember they had uh, an NA meeting at the budget at the minnow and I went to that meeting and I remember I shared about what I was feeling that day and when I left there, I didn't feel so bad because somebody in there mentioned to me, I do that every day. That's when I knew I wasn't alone. You know, the next day, I was I was still feeling the effects of that day. I went and hit three meetings that day, the next morning or next night in Brainerd. Then I went to this meeting that, um, that the treatment center I uh, went to, they go to. And I remember sitting up in that corner and I was sharing about it. And, you know, I, I think I even cried about it. And uh, just the support that I got from that room, uh, when I was riding home that night, um, I had this feeling, you know, you hear the pink cloud, you know, when you when you start to feel the effects of uh, the freedom of addiction, you know, and I was riding home that night and, man, I, I just remember I used to always watch uh, Colin Cash. He used to be all pumped up all the time saying, I love this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And I felt that, and I was riding home that night, and I was riding with my friend, and I was like, I was yelling, I was looking at her like, I love this shit. That was like my first pink cloud. That was my first sense of freedom that I ever experienced from the, the freedom of addiction. I found out what these rooms really have to offer, and it didn't cost nothing. It just cost my attendance, my desire 
to be there to find solutions to my problems, to listen to other people's active and hear their accomplishments and sobriety and recovery and just to be inspired by all that. Now I was watching I was watching these guys, you know, I, I gained a little part time job at the time, just a little part time cashier, but to me that was the best thing in the world. You know, that's just those little those little goals that uh, we get to. So uh, Yeah, so um so when you hopped on with Sober Squad, you started bettering yourself, and it just seemed like your personality, your character, people are just uh, drawn to you, your your energy that you brought, and the energy that you received. And you've uh, became like a, a voice. You've led, uh, you've led marches. You've led chants, cheers. Uh, what, what uh, you know? That, that's what people see. But you know what? What else goes on that Randy, that Randell does in, in giving back, and how does that make you feel? Okay, um, this, with the Sober Squad inspiration, I remember I was roughly about ninety days uh, clean and sober, and uh, we went down to this walk, and it was uh, advertised on Facebook for like a month before that. It was the Minnesota Recovery Connection Walk. And uh, they were having, like, uh, group members and donations and everything. And I remember um, Sober Squad was the fastest-growing recovery group in Minnesota at the time. And we overwhelmed that walk with donations and members. And I remember we all caught the bus down there, and there was, like, a caravan, and we all showed up there. And here's a bunch of Indians from all over all over Minnesota showing up there in recovery. You know, we had our drums and we were doing the walk. We would stop and have circles and do the serenity prayer and carry each other on. And, you know, that was like my biggest thing just to see all this. And I remember um, I needed help across the finish line. You know, like I said, you know, my, my diabetes and my, my legs were, you know, they weren't really working. And I remember there's a picture. There's actually a picture on Silver Squad of, uh, it was a Christine Bear and Colin Cash carrying me across the finish line. I knew I wasn't supposed to be out there while I wasn't supposed to be doing all that, but man, just my, my spirit was so high, I could do anything. And uh, that's, um, you know, that really uh, brought my, my attention to, uh, you know, just, just getting out and doing these events and, uh, you know, these Facebook groups and these chats and everything where you can turn to if you're struggling and just being, you know, giving a good answer. And I started leading uh, marches. You know, I, I had a voice. I started using it. You know, I was leading by example. And uh, they started giving me the bullhorn at these uh, events. I was like, what am I supposed to say? Then all of a sudden, it started saying, sober, and everybody else squad, and then who's community? And, you know, it's just, um, and everybody was following. And I was like, wow. You know, I was, I was really amazed because I was just so happy to be part of something positive. I was just so happy to get out of my own mind and to start enjoying what other people were doing. I wanted what they wanted. You know, uh, there's a garbage man named uh, Gary in, uh, in Sober Squad, and I never understood how this guy could be so upbeat and happy being a garbage man. You know, playing in the, in the reservation crust all day and doing all this and feeding the puppies and helping people. <laughs> and he's just always happy. He's always saying, yes, you know, yeah. just like that. Yes. And uh, we used to meet up every morning and we used to smudge at the halfway house before we all went about work. 
And um, I remember I, the, the first day um, when, I, when I started to find out why he was like that is uh, when I got to work, we went smudge that morning. And I got to work at the gas station. It, it was fish season. It was fishing season. And the guys would come dump their fish guts in their garbage cans. And there's flies everywhere. But that morning, the sun was shining just right. And everything was just okay. You know, like when that, when that sun rises and everything's just nice and calm, that's what I felt that morning. Nothing could mess up that morning. And I realized then and there, it was on me how I go about the days. And I was out there and I'm playing in these fish guts and I'm wrapping them up in these bags and I'm dragging them out and there's beer and pop and you don't want to know what else was in there, man. <laughs> and um, I had this smile on my face and I was sitting there, how can I be so happy playing in garbage? And I got it. I think that was like one of my awakenings when I realized it's on me. It is on me how my days go, you know, and that's how he chose to live his days in the most upbeat and the most best possible ways. And that's what really inspired me about these guys in Sober Squad. Now, I got it, you know, I'm very rough around the edges. I got a lot of character defects and everything. But what I love about it today is I can use those, you know, today of, of what not to do. You know, I can recognize them today and, you know, do use them to be a better person. That's what I love about having all that experience. That's what I love about not, uh, not regretting my past. Um, I, I, I'm still going to get on this now because... Um, you know, that, that's, that's just part of loving about the experience I have, um, you know, accepting my past. I was, uh, this just happened about a month ago. Um, I was still kind of doubting my, uh, my faith in my creator. I always used to kind of wonder why he would uh, allow me to go through the struggle that I went through. And um, I went back to a ceremony here about a month ago for the first time after about eight years. And uh, just seeing everybody there, you know, my wheels were really spinning out there, you know. And um, it, it, it was there where I kind of turned a point where um, I had to get over this why me, poor me, and just accept it and realize that was the path that he intended for me to take. That was the path. That, that's why... I was able to stay alive through that. So I could have this experience to help people, especially with diabetes. You know, I, I see a lot of them losing limbs and everything like that. I was at a point in my life where I wanted my doctor to cut my limbs off too so I can get a handicapped house, I can get Social Security, I didn't have to work no more. And uh, they didn't give up on me. You know, they, they said, you know, you can beat this. And you know, I didn't believe them at the time, but now, you know, I can walk, I can play softball. I can, I'm still suffering some effects from it, but... It was that turning point where I was like, you know what, you know, and I hope that everybody in recovery can experience this. There's a point where you got to start living your new life in recovery and not worry about all that. You know, yes, we got to heal from that. We got to address it every day. We got to wake up and pray about it every day. We got to turn it over. And it was out there is when I realized, you know what, I'm alive today and I'm going to start enjoying life today to more, you know, and, uh, you know, more you know, energy. And since I've left, uh, you know, since that ceremony got done, man, just, it seems like good things have just been happening. You know, one of my, uh, one of my, um, the biggest things was, uh, you know, I have a very bad driving history and, uh, you know, I always used to see my driver's license as, uh, unreachable, you know, and 
come uh, a week ago, I paid off my final fine to the state of Minnesota, and I'm in the progress of uh, getting my license back. And, uh, you know, it's going to be very short, you know, until I get it. But, man, I'm just already looking at how much more opportunity, just that one little goal. That was like my main goal to accomplish was to get, get my driving privileges. But now that it's here, I'm looking at bigger goals. You know, I'm looking at what can I go do? I can drive to school now. I can do this. You know, I want to I want to I want to give back so much. But, you know, I want to be able to go into somewhere and know what I'm talking about. You know, yes, I got the street experience, but now I want I want more school. I want more, more, you know. So it comes to like goal setting, you know, and it, it, it comes from watching others like uh, watching watching my brother Brad here start off his, his uh, business, his Mississippi, uh, you know, program here and just watching this, you know, dedicated and just showing, you know, that you know, that anybody can do it, you know, it's all out there, you know, and this comes from watching other members like my friend Chandel in, in uh, Duluth just bought a house, you know, those, those are big girl goals, you know, it's not just a purse or a pair of shoes anymore, it's we're buying houses, we're buying new cars, you know, it's just uh, while, while helping others, you know, now, you know, just, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I work at the grocery store. I, I see the best come through. I see the worst come through. And yet, you know, I can sit there and offer them hope and inspiration. You know, the ones that are really struggling. You know, we had a homeless girl sitting out there yesterday. And I was like, you know, I, I know some girls that can come give you a ride, help you out. And she goes, no, I'm fine. Her friend's coming to get her. You know, just to be able to have those resources all over the state of Minnesota, all down the way down to Oklahoma, New Mexico, you know, um, you know, through uh, COVID on Zoom, I met a lot of people in like Newtown, North Dakota, and you know, just just everywhere. You know, it's just so amazing. How recovery is everywhere, and I know I can go everywhere, anywhere, walk into a into a reservation, a re- recovery, any kind of recovery, and feel welcome. That's where I'm the most uh, comfortable because I'm. In order for me to stay sober, I got to hang out with other addicts. You know, that, that might not make sense to some people, but I mean, not addicts, they're using, but people in recovery, because we get it. We understand it. We know, we know what it's like to be through the trenches and we know what it's like to get pulled out of those and start enjoying life. Um, that's what I try to do to others. You know, when we're in that hole, when we're in that hole of addiction, the rock bottom, it's going to take somebody else who's already been there to pull you out. And, uh, that, that's what I, that's what I love seeing. I love watching others accomplished miracles you know don't quit until a miracle happens but man i work and i'm working with a family now they're getting all seven of their kids back and they got a big short bus and everything for your <laughs> kids man it's just it's just awesome to see and just to be a part of that you know just to be able to witness other people accomplish it. and you know i'm just sitting there just clapping hands just happy for them all you know and um it's just that's that's what i love about recovery is watching other people succeed man it's just uh and, you know, just, uh, you know, everybody, you know, in the communities doing their own little thing. You know, there's there's groups, there's there's uh, N.A. meeting, there's like women's groups going on. Um, it's just the point of getting people there, you know, and by just walking around being happy, joyous and free. Hopefully that's enough to inspire people to start attending because there are there's plenty of ways to recovery. You know, and it doesn't have to be my way. It doesn't have to be their way. You know, you got to find what works for you. And that's what I love about Sober Squad is they they showed me, you know, fellowship is key. And, man, Sober Squad is awesome for fellowship. They are awesome. You know, uh, connection is the opposite of addiction. I've met so many awesome people in recovery that I can reach out to anytime, you know. And, 
and Silver Squad. And, you know, you meet them at these events and at these groups and on the ch on Facebook chat and, you know, Facebook page. You know, it's just uh, like just posting a, a regular daily meditation. You know, thousands of people are seeing that, you know, that, that are and, you know, that might hit somebody because those daily morning meditations and everything, no matter what I'm going through, one of those is touching something that I'm going through, you know, and I can reach out. And I know um, that there's a lot of people that answer the phone calls when I, when I need help or if somebody, if somebody else needs help, I can, I can reach out and they can, you know, get that person whatever they need, you know. And that's just what I love about Sober Squad is the power of giving back, which is so freely given to us because someday somebody's going to ring my phone or somebody's going to jump on that chat and they're going to need what I got and I'll give it to them. Yeah, so we we went through a whole a background, a, a, you know, a pretty brief background. All of our backgrounds are connected, but we all got our own way of going through it, right? We've hit our turning points, you know. Uh, by default, people would think that all rock bottoms are the same because it's a rock bottom, but you know, we're we're all different, and we all experience it a different way, and and needing that help, inspiration, and giving back. Uh, yep, we, we definitely see Randell out there uh, inspiring and giving back. Uh, first uh, recovery walk, it was carried across the finish line. Now, a <laughs> uh, couple months back, he was out there um, taking his bike. We were in St. Cloud doing a 5K. He, he was out there with his uh, bike, you know, still doing it to it, not letting any uh, physical ailments um, keep him down and and that right there is you know what he brings and it's a lot and it's uh, a lot to impact a lot of people so given that you just surpassed three years you're able to turn your health around i remember seeing you in that wheelchair we we're like look at randy man uh he's close we uh we're uh you know as as people as we get recover over time and we're able to watch other people and we're like man uh, I remember we were sitting there and we're like man his leg is about the size of my wrist and but three years later leading walks 5k's uh, adapting to a coronavirus uh, the zooming towards recovery uh license back that that's huge yeah. huge one license back <laughs> getting back in our in our kids lives you know that that's another part you know it's something that we all go through so with all that and uh the setting of the new goals you you kind of went on it now but right now today where do you see yourself uh, you know, five years is a little bit far down the line, but you know, where do you see yourself in one, three, or five? Um, my main goal daily is just to stay clean and sober. Um, them long-term goals, like I mentioned earlier, with getting that license back, could be a a job and helping others, or even you know, facilitating an own sober house or treatment program, something on the res. So. That's what I was talking about, uh, going back to school so I can have the, the education and knowledge to be able to start something. You know, we all have visions, we all have goals. Um, but, but the main thing for me is to, you know, stay clean because without recovery, 
all those goals and expectations, if I use one time, will go right out the window because I, I won't stop at one. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, I'm an addict, bro. You know, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I'm just you know, in five years from now, I want to be a better person. You know, it's I always used to, you know, there was a thing that was going around not too long ago, is uh, not that sacred, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it today, and man, I. I, I got a pipe, I got a drum, you know, and uh, I, I am, you know, I, I, I am. I'm really starting to see it, you know, is uh, my New Year's resolution uh, this year was just to get more in touch with my higher power, you know, and to allow him to guide me so I don't have to try to run things my way. My way don't work. You know, if I try to do it my way, it's just uh, going to be a huge shit show, you know, and I can't live like that no more, especially when I'm trying to be an inspiration to others, man. I can't let my character defects run the show. You know, I got to live the way the creator wanted me. You know, I, I can see what they're saying again. I am reborn, you know, and a lot of men have to experience that um, because I remember my rock bottom. And that keeps me from wanting to go back every day. I don't want to hit that rock bottom again. You know, it's just, um, it was very, very tough um, to, to pull myself out of that. Um, I, one of my main goals, too, is to keep my diabetes out of, under control. You know, I'm not sure if uh, you guys are familiar with the A1C, but when I came into recovery, man, my A1C was 14.5, which is like triple or double, you know, of, of normal. You know, the last uh, time I got checked was a month ago, and I was a 6.8, which is fabulous for a diabetic. Yes, I still suffer from uh, some, uh, you know, neuropathy and, you know, some feet, but hey, man, I'm, I'm walking today. You know, I, I am proud. You know, just, just to be able to walk, yeah, I can be extremely grateful for. So, you know, the... The uh, five-year plan, you know, it's just, uh, I just, I'm just taking that one thing at a time. Right now it's, uh, you know, license is just like two weeks away, man. I can just, I can just taste it. But, you know, it's, um, that's going to open up so many more doors to set bigger goals, you know, and uh, maybe, maybe I will buy a house or, you know, something like that, you know, but I know it all starts with me just staying sober today, man. And, um, you know, I just love where uh, creators bring me. You know, I love winging it during the days. You know, I don't know where I'm going to end up. You know, I was going to go to Monticello today. Somebody calls me up. Hey, there's a sweat in Minneapolis. You want to go? And without double thought, I'm like, yeah, you know, let, let's go. You know, let's call me open-minded and willing just to experience new things because I had to do whatever it takes in order to get where I'm at today. And that's what I am extremely grateful. I am extremely grateful for everybody in Sober Squad that, that's been there for me. You know, there's this... Uh, so many more, you know, like, uh, like in, in early, you know, and one thing that's really, that, that I got to stress on too, is a, a lot of, uh, what we go through on reservations is, is the grief. And it, that's really been a tough one for me to, to, um, handle, you know, is accepting that not everybody's going to make it, you know, and I heard, I think it was uh, someone say yesterday, you know, when your purpose is done here, you know, creator's going to creator's gonna grab you, you know. And, you know, I, I, I just got to continue um, trying to do what my purpose is. And I, I see that today is helping others, leading by example, showing people that recovery is possible no matter how far down the road you are. You know, I was a good-looking buck 05. You know, I had size, size, you know, 25 jeans on, and they were still falling off, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, um, it's just, it's just great, you know. But 
with that grieving process, you know, one thing that I practice is uh, I got to realize that I'm not only powerless over my addiction, I am powerless over others, you know, and that's why I got to answer my phone two, three o'clock in the morning because if I don't answer or if I'm not that at that meeting to open the door, those people can go use and they, they might not make it. So it's just uh, dedicating myself to, to helping others, but just being an ear sometimes, you know, it's um, maybe that's just what somebody needs. You know, I get people, random people that stop by that just need to talk and vent. And I keep a little bowl of sage and a shell right there on my, on my table for when they do show up. Everybody that shows up, I light it up, you know, let them get off their chest, whatever they need to, and that helps them out. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's just being, uh, being there. You know, being there for when somebody needs to listen. Um, and, you know, in five years, um, you know, I, I still expect to be doing the same thing because there's a lot of people out there that are suffering. And uh, and it breaks my heart. And I, I do my best, but I got to remember, there's some, some days I wish I was three people so I can be three different places, man. But I'm, I'm just one person. I'm doing my best. You know, I'm working on my issues at the same time while trying to help people. And to me, that's what recovery is about, you know, doing stuff today that to my, my future self will thank me for, you know, treating people with uh, with kind words so they'll remember that tomorrow, you know. So, you know, it's, I seen something the other day, like, talk to everybody like it's the last time you're ever going to talk to them. And, you know, unfortunately, that happens quite a bit where we live. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, this, this in the community, you know, it, there's, it can't get no worse, man. Things are going to get better. You know, I pray daily that it does. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be um, a Mille Lacs band member. I'm proud to live in Mille Lacs. And, you know, I'm proud to show that, uh, I'm proud that, I'm glad that we have all these options available. You know, it's just the point of getting people there and, and showing them. And every day, you know, it's, um, it's a struggle. And some days I feel like a failure. You know, there was a, a friend of mine who really helped me out in early recovery, and uh, she didn't make it. And I remember when I heard that um, when I heard that news, I was in my kitchen, and and I just looked up and I was like, you know, I, I talked to uh, my creator there, and I was like, you know, if you say I'm here to help people, you know, why why don't you give me a chance? You know, why don't you and instead of just taking them? And I was upset, but you know, that's. That's the process of grieving, the blame process. Why this, why that, and then the acceptance. You know, when I can accept it, man, that's when I can just be like, okay, you know, it's everything's going to be okay. You know, I, I know they're in a better place, and we will meet again. So that's how I kind of grieve, but, man, it's a lot of grief around here, you know. But I do yeah. my best. I, I do my best. And, um, you know, so that's why, you know, when that phone rings, um, you know, that that's how it's going to be. You know, that's... Uh, that's just what a lot of us try to do. Yes, I am focusing on more bigger goals and everything, you know, for, for my personal, but I still got to be here for people too because I got to give away what's so freely given to me, you know. So, you know, that's where I see myself in five years. I still see myself steered. You know, I got I to gotta watch this play out, man. We started mm -hmm. something here, and I think it's going to end with great things. You know, it's going to end with great things. If I could just help one person. You know, my, my goal here is accomplished, you know, and that's that's what we like to do. So, oh, okay. Um, one thing I really love about uh, recovery is noticing the, the value 
in people. I'm a firm believer everybody has a gift. And, uh, you know, a lot of us don't find that gift until we, we truly surrender and we start allowing uh, Geechee Money to, to run our lives, to come into our lives, you know, to show us, you know, what Anishinaabe is. Growing up, I had no idea what it was to be an Anishinaabe. You know, when it would storm out in California, which was very rare, my mom would give me tobacco and go tell me to put it out and say, Geechee Money do. And that's, that's all I knew about being, uh, I knew I was native. Um, I, had, I had no idea what Ojibwe was. You know, my parents, they, they didn't really uh, stress that on me. You know, today I can see the, the beauty of it. I can see the beauty of being a Mille Lacs band member, um, uh, indigenous, you know, and uh, it's just, uh, I, I love it. You know, the spirituality, you know, and recovery, it's a, they say it's a spirituality program. Um, I'm learning so much about it daily, you know, how much, um, you know, how much it actually means to me, you know, putting my faith in it because I can't do this alone. You know, I, I need my brothers and sisters around me. I need my higher power around me, you know, and that's what guides me. You know, I, I love waking up, not knowing what today's going to bring, you know, some days are worse than the others, but you know, it's just, I can accept things today. I can. I can go smudge. I can I can talk to my creator anytime. It doesn't matter where I'm at. You know, I like driving. I like stopping by the lake and just enjoying. Because the stuff I see daily, it could be the sunrise. It could be an eagle flying. It could be the moon, you know, rising. I didn't create that. You know, that's my constant reminder daily. I didn't create that. Something greater than myself has created that. And my eyes, the creator, blessed me with that for me to see. You know, it's just, just that little way of thinking. You know, there was a time in my life where I was like, Pfft whatever you know but today i can just be grateful to witness all this i can be grateful to to witness people succeeding and just uh you know like the like the first time i ever went in sweat lodge was in saint cloud prison and i remember i was i was in there praying and i was doing and i experienced this feeling that i never felt before you know it was like this this peace and freedom that um i wasn't even in prison that day you know, I was just free, you know, I was free until, you know, we got back inside and, oh man, but, you know, it's just, um, those freedoms when I crawl out of them lodges, you know, when I come out of them, when I get done at the ceremonies and stuff, you know, just sitting around listening to the drum, watching people dance and woo, just having a good time and just love spending time together. That's what I love. You know, that's where I find my spirituality. I find my spirituality by watching people succeed and just being part of it, just listening and just being part of it. That's, that's where I find my spirituality. You know, it's, um, you know, it's everywhere. You know, I just, I, I had to open my eyes to see it. You know, there's a spirit in everybody. And, you know, I think that day when I decided I'm going to quit using, that was the day my spirit started waking up. You know, it's always been there. You know, it's just so I had to reach in there and find it and uh, accept it and let it start controlling. Let's start, start running my life instead of me trying to do it. You know, look at where that got me, man, right? One foot in the grave, you know, I was, uh, and today, you know, I'm, I'm healthier. My doctor even told me I'm healthy as a, as a teenager with my diabetes and everything. And, uh, you know, it's just it's time to start doing better things. You know, my next goal is quit smoking and, uh, you know, just, <laughs> just all this stuff, man, you know, you just see these visions and you know what, you just got to go get it, you know, cause a lot of times it doesn't come to you. You know, you got to get out there. You got to be willing to try new things. You got to let people in. You just got to start to see the beauty in everybody. And that, that's what I love. And when people want to go somewhere, if they want to go to a sweat, let's go, you know, it's just, uh, 
Woo! You know, that's, that's uh, just awesome stuff, man. So, uh, you know, I, I, I love not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, every day is just getting better and better. Every day I'm figuring out more and more about myself. And uh, I, can, I can grow off of that, you know, and just watching uh, people come out of their shelves and, and trying to, doing whatever it takes, you know, what are you willing to do for your recovery today? And, you know, it's whatever you want to do. You know, you want to go somewhere, let's go. And I love having this circle of friends that, uh, that are willing to do that with you, you know. Um, Y-A-N-A, Y-A-N-A, you know, I, I, I like that. You are not alone. You know, you are not alone in this. There are thousands and millions of people in recovery that just want to see you succeed, and that's what I found in Sober School. Another quick side note, it is July 10th 2021 and our main sober squad page is at 11.9 thousand with about 50 additional sober squatters out there this week we greatly appreciate everything you do all around out there uh, and all the sober squad pages and all the chapters and and all the other work that you like to put in miigwech I hope you all are getting stuff from these podcasts. That's the whole intention behind these podcasts is sharing our Sober Squad methods and concepts and ideas, perspectives. Eventually, we'll be going around and interviewing other Sober Squad members. So, same email if you're interested. Najake at Media. N-A-Z-H-I-K-E at W-E-N-J-I dash B-I-M-A-A-D-I-Z-I-N-G-M-E-D-I-A dot com. This episode of the Sober Squad podcast is brought to you by Wangy Bamadizing Media. Like us on Facebook. Check out our website, wangibamadizingmedia.com. Wangibamadizing Media, Ojibwe knowledge at your fingertips. This podcast was sponsored by the Periphery Foundation. The Periphery Foundation shares humanitarian stories, and the proceeds go back to the people and the issues featured in them. One of the stories is about the wall, homeless encampment in Minneapolis. This documentary film has raised money for causes related to Native American recovery and culture, including this podcast right here, Miigwech, to the Periphery Foundation. You can learn more at the periphery.org.